Welcome to the ABB Solutions podcast series, where we speak with industry experts covering topics you see in day-to-day operations. We understand the need to have information easily accessible and hope these podcasts will answer some of your questions or concerns you have in the industry with our end goal, keeping you running safely and efficiently. I'm Mike Murphy, host of this series, and today we are excited to have Roman Wyda, National Account Manager for the U.S. Motors and Generators Business. Roman has over 36 years of design and industrial application experience. He has published several technical articles and is the holder of three patents. Welcome, Roman. Welcome, Michael. Thank you. Yeah, happy to have you. Okay, so today our topic is on condition monitoring in the fan industry. Roman, first, can you give us a background on how the fan industry has used condition monitoring devices in the past? Yes, Michael. The, uh, the fan industry, air handling per se, has has been utilizing condition monitoring for many, many years. You know, it's uh, vibration and temperature are the two key elements that they're concerned about. Uh, from a temperature standpoint, they typically had two options. They would take an uh, an RTD or a thermocouple. So a thermocouple, they would just drill a hole into the piece of equipment, then epoxy a thermocouple into that hole, and then uh, generate temperature readings from that. Or an RTD where they drill and tap a, a hole within the piece of equipment and then uh, take the readings through the RTD uh, process. As far as vibration goes, you know, accelerometers have been around for many, many years. Typically, they use a triaxial type of accelerometer to pick up different vibrations in different axes. Vibration and temperature have been key elements, and they they are still today uh, the two main topics when it comes to condition monitoring within the industry. And can I assume much of this equipment was wired once upon a time, correct? Absolutely. So that, that was one of the drawbacks. It's not every piece of equipment is has condition monitoring equipment on it. And one of the main reasons over, over the years has been the expense of wiring a lot of that uh, condition monitoring uh, to the equipment. Uh, so it was typically used on larger horsepower industrial fans uh, where uh, downtime and, and the, the critical nature of the piece of equipment warranted the added expense uh, to the equipment. What were typical signs of, of failure in the fan industry? Yeah, that's that's a that's a good question, and it's uh, and it and it's multifaceted to be honest. So vi- vibration is usually the key one. So as vibration starts to increase, there are alarms set by the OEM at the vibration level uh, that they deem is still acceptable. Acceptable. Uh, and above that level, it's a slight alarm goes off. And if you get to a certain level beyond that, then it goes into a shutoff mode. So AMCA, which is the association who uh, legislates uh, vibration within the air handling HVAC industry, they typically look at a one times vibration level. And they rate that for a brand new piece of equipment at about 0.15 inches per second. 
what we find over the years is that the OEMs tend to like to keep that vibration level below what the AMCA level uh, requirement is. So AMCA states 0.15 inches per second. The industry kind of shoots for half of that or 0.08 inches per second at one times operating speed. AMCA does not regulate a temperature rating, so that is typically done based on application and based on fan. Vibration is is an AMCA standard for, for a limit. And the reason they always check it at one times speed is that's where you pick up imbalance of the fan within the system. So vibration at that one times limit would tell you that, hey, we're starting to get some looseness possibly in the system. We are also starting to see some imbalance in the system. We might need to do a little maintenance of trim balancing the fan back into spec or understanding if the balance is being caused by maybe moving dirty air. So if you're moving dirty air through a fan, that dirty air tends to act as an abrasive and wears the fan in, in spots and then changes the balance of that fan. And all that can be picked up by the accelerometers or the vibration equipment that you have on that piece of fan to make sure that you can catch the failure uh, prior to a catastrophic failure. So you can minimize your downtime and you can increase your reliability in the system. Let's dive deeper into temperature and vibration a bit more if we could. Um, let's let's start with mounted bearings. What are you seeing now in the industry with as far as monitoring mounted bearings with regards to temperature and vibration? They are actually interrelated. So temperature has an impact on the stressing of the bearing itself due to the lubricant that's inside the bearing. So the lubricant inside the, the bearing is the lifeblood of the of the bearing. Your bearing is only as good as the lube, lubrication that is separating the surfaces, the uh, contact between the raceways and the balls, or if you're using roller bearings, between the rollers and the raceways. So as temperature starts to increase, it starts to deplete or stress that lubricant. And when that happens, your, your film thickness starts to decrease and you start getting into what we call a metal to metal uh, contact zone. That metal-to-metal contact zone increases wear, uh, and it never wears evenly. So it's 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 tends to change the geometry of the raceway, ultimately increasing the vibration within the system due to that wear. So temperature affects the lubricant. The lubricant affects wear. Wear increases clearance within the bearing. Clearance is picked up by accelerometers due to vibration, and you ultimately can predict what type of wear or damage you have in the system and how much additional time you might have before you have to replace the bearings or do some maintenance on the equipment based on the levels of vibration and temperature. So it sounds to me like it's a it's a cause and effect. So temperature and then vibration could be the effect of, of the, a rise in temperature. Is that correct? That is absolutely correct. So 
on slower turning pieces of equipment or the fans are not moving at 3,600 RPMs or maybe 900 RPMs or 600 RPMs. A lot of times you don't see a great temperature spike or increase because the speeds are, are just not generating that type of heat generation. So typically in those, vibration is more critical because you will start picking up the, the accelerated vibration uh, spectrums much quicker than you will on a temperature uh, analysis of, of the bearings themselves. So speed, as it starts to increase, temperature is more readily you know, available as far as seeing the differentials between normal to, to uh, elevated. As you get to slower speed type fans, vibration is the first impact that you will see uh, as far as a delta that will generate a, a, a red flag causing some concern. So these deltas, these changes, these would be outliers, if you will, that would trigger attention to the equipment? Yeah, so the, the deltas are what we really are concerned about. So when we're talking about sensors or whether it's vibration or temperature, whenever you set up a new piece of equipment, you will set up a baseline, whatever that baseline is. So we already know that AMCA says 0.15 inches per second at one times operating speed. We understand that the OEM will go ahead and design that piece of equipment to about 0.08 inches per second. And then all of a sudden uh, you get that onto a shop floor and you start that piece of equipment. You find out that it's at one times it's 0.09 inches per second. That's your baseline. And normally what I'll tell customers is that I would keep that, I wouldn't set up any alarms until it gives, gets quite a bit above the AMCA standard of 0.15 inches. You know? So as you start getting above that area, that's when you start putting some red flags or some uh, information into the system telling the maintenance crew that, that uh, something has changed. We've doubled our initial baseline of vibration and we need to understand what is the root cause of that. That makes sense. Plus, I can see how there would be false positives, if you will, uh, when, say, you re-lubricate a bearing. Would there not be a spike in temperature initially? Yeah, that's a, that's a very good question, and you hit the nail on the head. Relubrication is one of the you know phenomenons of temperature rises, and what you can see is depending on the amount of grease you put into the uh, bearing at relubrication and the actual speed that fan is is uh, operating at. So the higher the speeds, the higher delta temperature you get when you relubricate those fan bearings. And it could be up to 50 degrees delta. So you're running at 130 degrees Fahrenheit. Uh, you have a maintenance procedure that says on a quarterly basis, you go in and you re-lubricate or add fresh grease to the bearing uh, to minimize the stressing and the wear that the, that the old grease has gone through over the last three months and possibly a, a uh, change in your film thickness. 
So you recharge the bearing, you put fresh grease in there. But if you put uh, excessive amount of grease, especially on a high speed bearing, that you can see a dramatic increase in temperature. Like I said, 50 degree rise. So you're starting at that 120, 130. Next thing you know, your RTDs or thermocouples or bearing sensors that you have on the uh, on the equipment tell you now it's running at 180, you know, 190. And it starts tripping an alarm saying, hey, that is a, a huge spike. Uh, but understanding that, the, that those spikes could be caused by relubrication or grease that has been added to, to the bearing, then understanding that possibly the volume that you're putting into that bearing is excessive. And in those cases, you need to go back to, to the uh, bearing manufacturer and make sure that you're using the correct quantity of grease inside that inside that bearing. One thing you will notice on that spike, however, so say you increase the fill, you double it. You know, industry standard is, is that the uh, grease fill is one-third full most mounted bearings. So now all of a sudden you, some maintenance man gets a little, you know, zealous in, in adding grease and he doubles that that grease. As the excess grease gets put into the bearing, there is a spike in pressure, the pressure starts to increase, and that pressure has to relieve itself, uh, and the only way it can is through the seals. Depending on whether you have labyrinth seals or contact seals will tell you the duration of purging. So in some cases, it could be an hour. If you have labyrinth seals, they purge much more effectively or efficiently. If you have contact seals, that purging could take up to 48 hours. Could you could take you a couple of days to finally see the temperature of the bearing starting to decrease, and then it will ultimately stabilize at uh, at some temperature once the pressure is relieved. You described high speed, low speed fan applications. I, I can only assume we're talking also about uh, heavily loaded, lightly loaded fans. Can you talk about some of the different types of rolling elements and how condition monitoring may differ from a ball bearing, say a roller bearing? The, the two main bearings that are that are used in the uh, air handling industry or, or fans in general are, are ball bearings and, and roller bearings. So ball bearings by far, when we're talking about light industrial to light duty fans, you'll probably have 80% of all the fans will have ball bearings on. As you start getting into the medium duty size fans, into the higher horsepower fans, you start getting more into the uh, anti-friction, you know, spherical roller bearings, and they dominate when you get above a certain horsepower. And they've been around for, for many, many years. There are some fan applications that use uh, some tapered roller bearings, and there are fan applications that use sleeve oil type type bearings for heavy industrial applications, but predominantly it's all between ball bearings and roller bearings. They handle different loads. You know, some engineers like to think that there has been a change in the industry and it's been going away from the uh, ball bearing type design and going more to what they call a, a direct drive band. 
where you eliminate the ball bearings altogether and you take that fan and you mount it onto the end of the motor shaft. And in that case there, it has a, a number of benefits within the industry. It's more power dense, compact, as opposed to a arrangement three, arrangement five, even arrangement eight type fans. Uh, now these direct drive fans uh, allow the OEM and the end user to to minimize the space that these fans will be taking up within their facility. Yeah, that makes sense. And again, uh, just to reiterate, arrangement three and five, That's that talks about a belted application, a coupled application? That's, that's correct. That's correct. Okay. So belted and arrangement eight is a is a coupling style fan where you have a motor coupling, two bearings, and a fan. Uh, and then the direct drive is, is, is motor with a fan mounted directly on the, on the motor shaft. Well, since you brought it up, let's move toward condition monitoring as it relates to motors uh, with these direct drives. So now, uh, because we're removing some of the mechanical equipment, the motor now has to accommodate thrust loading, correct? That is correct, and that's that's one of the main issues that condition monitoring is critical on the on the motors themselves. So, in the past, where you had you know belted type fans, where you had ball bearings or roller bearings on that jack shaft, and then you had the fan mounted to that fan shaft, uh, all the thrust load was was handled by the mounted bearings. All of a sudden, you change that arrangement over to a direct drive, and all the thrust load that's generated by that fan itself is now having to be handled by the bearings that are inside the motor. So in the past, on a standard motor, you have the belt drive, the belt pull that is, that's generating a load onto the motor. And now on a direct drive, you have the fan weight, which is generating a radial load on the on the bearings within the motor. And then you have a thrust load that's being generated by the fan on the motor bearings themselves. So they get into a higher stressed area uh, to the point where condition monitoring is critical to make sure that you understand, you know, vibration levels and temperature uh, levels of those motor bearings to make sure that the reliability and uh, and maintenance practices that are needed are, are and required are there. Where do you see the future of condition monitoring in this industry? Yeah, I, you know, we've, we've been manufacturing and offering condition monitoring for 30 some odd years. And over the years, uh, we were ahead of the curve and we found that, you know, industries, the air handling industries have have migrated to the condition monitoring aspect of the uh, of the bearings and the motors on these fans uh, to the point where we're at today. You know, it is uh, widely accepted. Uh, the OEMs are, are understand that there is a value add to be able to understand and predict the life of a particular piece of rotating piece of equipment. Uh, and the way to do that is by sensors that, that allow you to, to go ahead and measure and, and predict and, and put into your maintenance schedule. So 
So whereas so right now it's all pretty much you know becoming a standard, where is it going to be in the next five or ten years where I truly believe it's only going to continue to to enhance uh, the features and benefits of these sensors where they tell you based on your operating conditions, hours of operation, temperature, vibration levels, uh, we can we can predict how often you have to go and add fresh lubricant to the bearings, that whether they're in the motor or onto the fan bearings. So in this case here, the maintenance crew would get a, a couple of red flags. Uh, they would be instructed to go to number one fan and add three shots of a SHC 100 grease or lithium complex grease, add three grams of grease to bearing A, and if it's a step shaft where you have a slightly larger bearing on the on the drive side, add four and a half shots to bearing B to that level. Sensors and, and the ability to understand how well your equipment is operating is not going away. It's only going to become more critical, more enhanced, more required within the industry. I also think that there is an opportunity, you know, a lot of fans, uh, static pressure within the fan is very critical to understand. So static pressure is how you calculate the thrust load that a fan exerts onto the bearings themselves. So you take the area, the inlet area in square feet, you multiply it by a standard of a 5.2, and then you multiply that by the static pressure of the fan. So if you had a sensor within that fan that can calculate or measure the static pressure, and if you understand that very simple formula of thrust load, if there is changes in the static pressure, uh, you can very quickly understand what increase in thrust load that uh, fan is going to be exerting and monitor that to make sure that it doesn't get out of a area that's going to create some real issues to the bearings and the equipment that's that's that the fan is on. So let me ask you this. If we have a listener who is not familiar at all with condition monitoring, what's one takeaway you would like them to have? If they're not in the know on, on vibration and temperature, uh, the one thing if they could walk away with is to understand what your baseline is. That is key to understanding, you know, how well that piece of equipment is operating. And then over time, understand what the delta is or the change within those parameters. Uh, so set up your baselines, understand what they you know, represent, and then just monitor those against the changes that occur over time. Roman, uh, thank you very much for speaking with us on condition monitoring. I'm sure our listeners have walked away with something new. All right. Well, thank you, Mike. I appreciate the uh, opportunity. Remember, if you would like more information or have suggestions for future topics, reach out to your local ABB sales representative or visit us at us-solutions at abb.com. Thanks and have a great rest of your day.